What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Also, don't be afraid to leave some comments. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Gris is the game for this week's episode. Gris is a 2D platform adventure game. And some comparable games, a lot of similarities with Journey. Definitely an experience there. And also some of the games from our catalog, Greek, I see some similarities, Apotheon, and even games like Dandera. But there are a lot of vibes of like old school Mega Man or Super Mario platformers, the 2D ones. The game was initially released in December of 2018 on Mac PC and Switch, in August of 2019 on iOS, November of 2019 on PS4, and then we jump to April of 2020 on Android, November 2021 on Luna, the Amazon Luna, and then finally in December of 2022, it came to new consoles, so PS5, Xbox, X, and S, and actually Xbox One at the same time, I don't think it was previously on Xbox platforms at all, so... The game was developed by Nomada Studios, and they're based out of Barcelona, and this is their first game. Really good stuff coming out of them for the first time. The game was published by Devolver Digital once again, and we've talked a lot about Devolver Digital. Inscription, our last game, Katana Zero, a game we've done before, Hotline Miami, a game that we talk about quite often. These were all published by Devolver Digital, so they seem to have quite a good eye at indie games to publish. There were a ton of physical releases in many forms, and I hope I got all of them. They were pretty tough to track down. When the game initially launched, it also launched with a physical Switch, and it had kind of an art book insert. And then when the PS4 version launched, Limited Run did a PS4 physical box uh, that came with a couple art cards. There was a vinyl soundtrack that was released through I Am 8-Bit in June of 2019, or at least it was announced in June 2019, I think. I missed it, and it sold out, and I'm real mad about it. There was also a piano collection vinyl that came out with this game, and that was from Materia Store, who published that, so different from I Am 8-Bit. Special Reserve Games also did a release in June 2019. It's interesting how this worked, and I was looking at the site. This website has a signature edition that was like, 
everything that you could want. Like it was a big collector's edition and it actually bundled the I Am 8-Bit OST vinyl with it. There are also a bunch of art prints and art books. The website actually listed all of these individually and in the signature edition. So you could kind of get them a la carte. And this was only for Switch though on Special Reserve Games. So I looked and I think they might all be sold out, even the individual art prints and art books. In 2021, there was a collector's edition for Switch that was released, I believe, through Play Asia, although you can get it now through other channels and other stores. And that had a different collector's edition that was a Switch version. So it came with different things. I don't understand how there's all these different things going on, but I guess that's good for the consumer if you miss out on one of them. Uh, but a lot of things going on physically for this game. The game was originally released at an MSRP of $16.99 digitally. That original Switch physical copy that was released at the same time went for $19.99. The limited-run PS4 box was $29.99, and that was also the same price as just the game that was released from Special Reserve, so no goodies that came with that. The vinyl soundtracks, the I Am 8-Bit, was released at $34.99, and the Materia Store one that was the Piano Collection was released at $49.99. As far as I can see, both of these are sold out. I've been checking eBay for them because I really want to get that I Am 8-Bit vinyl, but I don't see people selling it. That collector's edition that was released through Play Asia, which I actually found on Amazon, that's available for $99.99. That signature edition that was from Special Reserve Games that had everything in it was $249.99, and that is definitely sold out. So getting your hands on any of these physical things could be a bit tough but i think that collector's edition from play asia is still available on amazon again that's the switch edition the game does have a platinum trophy for our playstation listeners time to beat is around three to four hours if you're playing it straight through there are some extras that you can get that might bump it up to like six hours me i got this on sale on playstation for $6.79. I think I actually bought the PS4 version and upgrading it to the PS5 version is free, which is nice. I put about four hours into this and I played it straight through and I beat it in four hours. In terms of recommendation, uh, a friend of mine that I work with, Kate, who I've talked about before, she actually recommended this game for me and I had seen it on the store, was really intrigued by the art style. Eventually, one day, I just downloaded it and I just started it and then... I beat it. Let's talk some gameplay for Gris. So some general notes first. This is a quick play. This is a very quick playthrough. It's a one-sitting game. I feel like it's very easy to get sucked into this and just beat it on like a Saturday afternoon, which is exactly what I did. The game is split up into multiple parts. I think it's linear. The game doesn't really tell you whether you're going the right way. You just go. And so it's interesting how this presents itself, and we'll talk about it in detail. 
but I think you could section off the game in like four areas. The game offers really no guidance, no direction. There are no words in the game. And so, again, I'm going to compare this game a lot to Journey because Journey definitely did something similar. You never really knew what you were doing. It was just kind of assessing the environment and just going a certain way and seeing what happens. And for the most part, you eventually found your way, and that's definitely the case here. So let's talk about some of the basic movement. So this is kind of a 2D side-scroll platform game. Definitely some basics here. You're moving and jumping. Now, the thing about the moving is she moves at one speed. There's not going to be a run uh, you're going to jump to get to platforms, and if you don't make the platform, you won't get to it. There's no ledge grabbing or anything like that. In terms of the layout, like you'll have hills, and sometimes she'll slide down hills, which is definitely very journey. But you'll have like walking upstairs or walking up sort of diagonals or ramps, walking down stairs and things like that. Um, sometimes the stairs will overlap, and you can jump down. A lot of similarities with Apotheon, if you've taken a look at that game which is one of our previous episodes. Very similar there where like you see a staircase as you're walking and you can just walk up to the next platform. There's also some overlap sometimes. That can be a visual thing, like the foreground and the background. So it takes some time to get used to. Sometimes I wasn't sure if something was there blocking my path or if it was just in the background, but that really only happened a couple times. A lot of what you're going to be doing is platform jumping, or you're going to be jumping from block to block to kind of get higher. And again, it's very simple, and there's no extraneous things like ledge grabbing, but the game does get a lot more advanced in terms of the type of platforming. There's a lot of timed things. We'll talk about a lot of specifics, but I really feel that it's well-paced. And this will get more advanced because you will gain new abilities as you progress through the game. They're kind of self-fulfilling, like the ability lets you progress, but you progress to get the ability. A lot of the game and the progression is tied to collection. And so there are things to collect. Some of them are necessary to progress through. Some of them are optional. And the main necessary things to collect are going to be these dots that are like dots of light. And you will see them as you're platforming through certain areas and you'll see them at a place that's kind of out of reach and so you have to go get it once you get it all you have to do is just like walk by it or, or touch it and then it'll kind of stick around you it'll like revolve around you sort of and after you acquire it it'll follow you around and what it's meant to do is kind of split a couple different ways but the most immediate thing that it does is it kind of forms bridges between long jumps that you couldn't make and it's real interesting how this does this visually because it almost connects things like constellations. And so when you walk up to a ledge and it has like a really far jump, you'll see these openings, like these dots that aren't filled. And when you walk up to it, it'll like blink or it'll give you kind of like a visual or, a, or an audio cue to say that you don't have enough to progress here. So you might come up to get against one that's just like two dots on either side of a big jump. Once you platform enough and you gather two of these light dots, once you get over there, they'll fill the dots and then they'll connect almost like a constellation. And that'll allow you to walk across. And of course, some of them will be bigger ones, like they'll need three or they'll need four. But basically, it's a way to impede your progress so that you have to go collect these dots. These bridges are just one of the ways that these dots will help you progress. There are other ways, and I don't really want to spoil anything, but these dots are essentially tied to progression through different areas they're also going to be tied to having you acquire new abilities and so when you reach a new area you'll see like this sort of pedestal like thing where there's a screen in the middle of the pedestal that has like 
two openings that need dots or four openings that need dots and when you go up to it if you don't have them it'll like buzz like you need to get these and then once you do and you come back to that place you'll get that ability and then that ability will allow you to progress these dots also serve sort of a, a greater progression because every time you finish an area and we'll talk about it you go back to like this hub and it's going to take the dots that you got from that area and contribute it to like this final place that you need to go. So you get to see like your progress in general throughout the game of just like how far you have and how far you have to go. You also have a lot of optional collectibles that you'll find and a couple of them you'll find pretty early. There are these like unfilled circles that look different than those light dots. Really they're just optional. I didn't know that at first but once you progress enough to come back to this hub area you see that there are actually different stones that track how many of these optional unfilled collectible circle things that you found and i think they do them by particular area i maybe found like half of these i didn't really try for them i didn't really know what i was doing with them um, it's very similar to in journey like those symbols that you find that are optional to collect but if you collect them all like you'll get a trophy or something like that this was fine i don't know what this unlocks this might unlock a story element like at the end of the game if it's something that you're down for if you're a collectathon person like have at it there are also some lore statues that you find and this brings up a very interesting point which i'm going to talk about a bunch if it weren't for a trophy notification I don't think that I would have known that this was anything. And it's interesting because I'm going to talk about the idea of trophy spoiling or if they're helpful in giving context. At the moment that I saw this, I was like, oh, this is a statue. I didn't know that this had any implications per se because I don't think the game itself actually tells you anything. Regardless, there are a, a few of these lore statues that will give some at least visual context to the story. I have a lot to say about the lore and the story in this game. I think it's very, very well done. In terms of exploration and progressing through this game, there is like a prologue in the beginning where you have to get to this central hub. And once you get there, there are paths, I think, to go on. It's very interesting how this is organized because the game, like I said, is linear, but it doesn't feel like it. After I played through this game, or even halfway through this game, I wasn't sure if me going a certain way was just that I have good intuition as a gamer, not that I like toot my own horn about that, or if the game was just really good at pointing you in a direction without actually doing that. And it's interesting because like, I constantly felt that where I chose to go was just where I could, where I wanted to go. And it was like I was rolling dice, but I don't know if that's the only place I could go. Again, the game is linear. And so I don't know while I was playing this game whether I could have gone different ways. So it's just interesting how it worked out. Wherever I went, that's just where I was supposed to go. I don't know if this will bring about any confusion or frustration to certain gamers. I will say that sometimes I did find that there was like a pillar or something blocking me a certain way. So like I jumped up to a platform and I could have gone left or right. And I went right at one point and I kept going and like things were there. And so I ran back to the left and I actually found like a pillar blocking or like a rock blocking my path. So I think there is some gatekeeping and limitation in here, but I don't know if it's everywhere. And I don't know if that's going to cause some frustration. 
And I don't know if that's going to make you feel like it's a bit aimless. Sometimes for like a brief moment, I did find like, I feel like here there's three different ways to go. What should I do? I actually don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. But I did find that that was quickly solved. And it's interesting because I don't think the game is going to let you get down a rabbit hole and then come to a brick wall. Something about the design of this game, whether it's subliminally, visually, or just in terms of the layout, you tend to find your way. Now, if you're somebody who's a completionist, or if you're somebody that has FOMO, or if you're somebody who plays a game and there's two paths and you're like, I have to explore both paths or I have to, you might kind of pull your hair out at certain points, especially if you're going for like the optional or hidden collectibles or the lore statues and whatnot. But I just don't think that it's that intense. I don't think that it's going to be that deep, especially because this is a short game. So I don't even know if there's that much of the game that you could explore uh, and feel aimlessly for an extended period of time. When you get to the central hub, there are different paths that go to areas. I don't know if at first I realized there were multiple paths, but like there's just one way that I went and it turned out to be where I was supposed to go. But essentially the way the progression of the game is going to work is you're going to go to a certain path and it's going to lead to an area like you will essentially fall down a rabbit hole and that'll be going to one of the areas. And when you go to the area, you're going to have to do a lot of the platform gaming. Like I said, you'll be collecting these light dots to do mini progressions or mini gatekeeping with those constellation bridges. And eventually you will unlock something that will get you to the end of that area. And the end of that area is kind of like a cutscene. something will happen and you will unlock something the context for what actually happens there are some visual cues but again i feel like there being a trophy notification for me i feel like it gave me context to what just happened the type of gamer you are if you want to be completely shut out if you want to discover things on your own i don't know if you will like that if you will appreciate that i will tell you that i appreciated it in terms of unlocking something, whether it's story-related, whether it's related to this character or this world or what just happened, I really did appreciate it. Um, But if it's something that you think is going to ruin the immersion for you, maybe you want to check your settings or notifications for different things. Once you unlock that thing at the end of that area, you'll kind of find this quick return path that brings you back to the hub. And then when you get back to the hub, like I said, those light dots that you collected in that area will get added to that sort of final thing that you need to go to. Now, let's talk about these different areas in terms of level design. I feel in general, this game has great pacing and progression and really good platform variation. There is some light synergy. You will see some things like maybe come back again, but I feel like it's still very refreshing constantly. Now, this is a short game, and I feel like it's more difficult to plan pacing and variation in platforming in a shorter game. But I got to tell you, I really like the way this plays out. Things tend to not be overused. There's not a lot of repetition, even within an area, like if you get a new ability that unlocks certain things. It doesn't just like hammer it home, right? It's not like the weapon to beat the boss or anything like that. Like it's not right out of Zelda. I do like how it just gets incorporated into your repertoire. When you're going through these levels, like I said, you will get new abilities. And also sometimes it's not even something that you get, but it's just something that you're introduced to, like a new way of platforming. 
And so not to spoil anything, but just some examples, like you will get an ability that allows you to like break things or break through floors. You'll get a double jump. You'll get a way to kind of use the environment if something is present to like catapult you up into the air. Um, there is swimming in this game. And also just some general common tropes that you'll see. There are some time platform things like very Mega Man, very Super Mario World. There are some simple puzzles, some that have to do with like weight and weighting things down, uh, some that are like mirrored images, some that have to do with gravity changing. So there are a lot of things in terms of platforming that I will say aren't new to platforming games, but I really do appreciate the synergy with a lot of these things. And again, the progression in such a short game for it to not rely on like one thing but also once it introduces something to not like hammer it like, hey, you know this thing, you've done a Zelda puzzle like this. or And even at the end of the game, it doesn't like reiterate things or like it has some vague things like you will maybe see a late thing where you have to break through a floor even though you do floor breaking in the beginning. But it doesn't like overuse it. It's not like, hey, now that you have these three abilities, combine them in this one puzzle. What I think I'm arriving at here is that I feel like the game is very respectful of you as a gamer, not just of your time, but also of your learnedness. It's very intentional about how it introduces something and then kind of just let it subside. And then maybe you see it a bit later, but not in any kind of vast or, or Frankenstein way. Scale is also something that's very interesting in this game that it uses. The game will automatically zoom in at times and zoom out at times. Sometimes it has to do with an area, like if you just get to an area, it'll probably zoom out, or if you have to go through a, a narrow corridor or something, it might zoom in. It also does this for thematics and like quote-unquote cutscenes, like when you get to an unlocking thing at the end of a level, like it might zoom in, it might zoom out, uh, and I think it really does a lot for the effect there. Scale is also a thing with giant mechanisms, and this is something that's very interesting, and I see a lot of similarities with Dandera and Apotheon, because Dandera does a lot of zooming out, like if you go into a very big room, uh, Apotheon had something that was very interesting, it was like a giant wheel, and it kind of zoomed out so you could see where you were. And like I said before, allowing for advanced platforming that kind of grows and evolves in a good pace for a four-hour game is very difficult. And I will say, in terms of just the platforming gameplay, it didn't get stale. In fact, I wouldn't even say that there's difficulty in a lot of these puzzle platforming challenges. I do feel like as the game progressed near the end, though, it did feel like the game was kind of ushering you and making sure that nothing was impeding you as you were trying to get to the end of this game, which, again, is very journey, because once you get towards the top of that hill, like, the game is really just trying to tell you to go, go, like you're almost there you're almost there and so i really feel that in this game as well All right, let's talk about the vibe of Gris. 
Let's start off with visuals because this is definitely what drew me to the game. Outstanding visuals. So the game itself is beautifully hand-drawn and there are times when you'll zoom into your character's face and you will see a lot of facial movement, body movement that really display a lot of character and sort of life. It's interesting how things are drawn. I get a vibe of like, aha, take me on, like that music video. You know, a hand-drawn thing with pencil that's kind of moving. As the character moves, like her hair, you can see the pencil lines in her hair. It's really interesting. I really like it. And then when the game does quote-unquote cut scenes, like if things are zoomed in or something's happening, you can really see the progression, especially on her face of facial expressions. The use and the lack of color, I really like this. And I also like how it's tied to progression. It's interesting visually how this game evolves. It starts as like what I would say is like the Shel Silverstein sort of landscape that's all black and white or just like outline and then slowly as you progress through this game you're adding color and this becomes this watercolor painting that is just beautiful and it's actually interesting because as you end an area you will unlock certain colors and then when you get back to the hub the first time i got back to the hub i didn't even recognize it i was like is this where i was before and so it's real interesting how the game evolves visually with that sort of making your progression in the game also synergize with how the game is visually changing and I like that. The main character, I love the way this character is crafted. So I talked about how her facial expressions are are really defined. So her head in general is very defined and colorful. Like her hair is a very distinct shade. She's got freckles and they're very obvious. She's also wearing what I would say is full makeup on her face. I don't know if it's like that in the beginning of the game. I haven't particularly paid attention to how the color in her as a character changed throughout the game. But her head is fully formed and fully drawn. But then her body is kind of this formless cloak that she's wearing. And so there's not a lot of form in her body, which is actually interesting because there is a gameplay element that is kind of tied to that loosely. And so you see this cloak kind of moving. And then you see these two sticks just popping out of the bottom that are her legs. Visually, her as a character is very much like Journey, how there are just these beings that are in a cloak and have these two legs that just stick out. It's very interesting because the cloak is actually black, so very cool how that contrast works. Thematically, and I definitely don't want to spoil anything, the idea of color and lacking color it's interesting because this ge- the game's name is gris which is gray in spanish or french certainly some interpretation that you can have with the story about how this word comes into play how the idea of color comes into play with what she is experiencing darkness is another big thing there are other beings that you will see that you'll interact with some positively some negatively i'm not quite sure if they're supposed to represent something specific but i think Uh, you'll have your own interpretations finding these optional statues very interesting again i talked about scale so these statues have some lore or story implications um, but the scale is also very interesting because they're a lot bigger than she is again i draw that comparison with dandera and some characters that are huge in that game compared to dandera i like the way that this story in general unlocks and when you get to the end of an area like something happens and I don't know always what it is. 
again, I'm going to talk again about those trophy notifications. I found them to be helpful in terms of context. I don't know if they will spoil something for you. I don't think what they're called or, or what happens even is too much of a spoiler, but it's interesting because I appreciated getting that context as soon as it popped up, as soon as I walked to a statue, as soon as I ended an area. I didn't always know what it meant, but I appreciated it. I will tell you, though, whether you want those contextual notifications or not, by the time you get to the end of the game, I think a lot of things will make sense. Certainly, there are a lot of details that are open to interpretation, but I will say, by the time I ended the game, I appreciated that I had context throughout, because if I didn't, I think I would have forgotten all the things that I had seen and not been able to connect how they were relevant with the story. So I really enjoyed it, and I think it was very helpful for me, and it actually made this experience a lot more worthwhile, I feel. In terms of the main character and audio... What's interesting is that your character has a voice and in the beginning of the game, she loses her voice. And so I immediately saw parallels with Transistor because that's definitely what happens at the beginning of Transistor. But I think the way that the gameplay develops because of that is very different from Transistor. I really like the idea of someone not being able to speak, being an illusion of something. But in terms of audio in general, the music in this game is unbelievable. I think it's a group they're called Berlinist, and I feel like they capture the moment so well. There's crescendo, there's volume. When something unlocks, whether it's at the end of an area or in the middle of an area, the music really reflects this. Like, especially if you're going to a new area, like there's sense of adventure and things like that. I see a lot of parallels with what Austin Wintry does in every one of the games that he composes for, uh, which would be Journey, which would be The Pathless, things like that. And it's a full orchestra. There are certain songs that are all strings or some that boasting. But it's it's just so good. And I'm so upset that the vinyl is sold out. Having that full orchestra really just brings so much to life in this game. Let's wrap up the conversation about Gris. I gotta say, this was an incredible experience, especially because it was a one-sitting experience. Like, I sat down, I looked at this game in my library, I just clicked on it, and before I knew it, three hours had passed and I was almost done the game. Really, a game that I was just entranced by. I really lost track of time playing this. I was just so compelled to be in this story, to see it through. The game is very emotional, especially by the end. It's a very compelling story, and I love the way that it's told. Things like perspective and empathy, those are sort of the comeaways that I got from this game. Not everyone is going to have the same comeaways, but I really love how this game progressed, the context that I got along the way, and sort of the big payoff at the end. It was really worth it. In terms of platforming, very kinetic, very synergistic. 
Uh, like I said, it doesn't reinvent things. Like you'll see a lot of things that you've seen before, but I like how it's paced. I like how it's always kind of fresh and it doesn't overuse things. I really do feel this is a must play experience. This is journey level. Anyone I know that hasn't played Journey, I'm like, you need to play Journey. And I'm going to say the same thing about this game going forward. I really think, especially it being a shorter experience, it's a lot more manageable. If you're somebody who's a trophy hunter, I feel like the platinum in this game is pretty easy. If you're somebody that wants to hunt for trophies, I don't think the list is that difficult. And after you beat the game, there's actually a chapter select that you can do. So in terms of value for the experience, $70 is certainly a justified price. But I will say I have been seeing this game on sale a lot recently for like seven bucks, in which case it's an absolute no brainer. This is a must play game. I highly recommend it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.